This is the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast Show, hosted by Bo Finley and Brant Walker. Welcome back, guys. Here's always Bo and Brant. Um, we talked about uh, last week how this week was going to be our wrap-up of season of our initial season of the Fat Boys Podcast, and what better way um, than to discuss some things that we learned that we're going to keep in the back of our mind moving forward that we want you guys to keep in your minds moving forward um, for fantasy. Um, so some things that we learned in the 2020 season taught us. The first COVID thing, sucks. Co- well, first of all, yes, COVID is, <laughs> is absolute trash. Um, and Tom Brady is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Um, but <laughs> not Tom so Brady's fast. defense was better than true, Patrick Mahomes. True, true. Um, so, yes, there has been a lot of things that, that this season has taught us, but – uh, to summarize a few of them and to hit on a few of them a little harder than others. Um, the first thing that I have that I learned this year that I think most people learn a lot every year and you fail to remember that is that injuries happen a lot. You have to prepare for it. This year, um, some fantasy relevant guys that missed multiple time, and I'm sure I'll leave a few out here, but Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Odell Beckham Jr., Joe Burrow, Julian Edelman, Jimmy Garoppolo, Damian Harris, Marlon Mack, Joe Mixon, Raheem Mostert, Dak Prescott, George Kittle, Cortland Sutton, and Kenny Galladay all missed significant time and were all drafted fairly early in drafts. Absolutely. If you don't plan for those injuries and you're not prepared for those to happen, your whole season could tank. If you had a top three pick and you drafted either CMC or Saquon and didn't draft enough running back depth afterwards because you were so confident that they would carry you to a win, your season suffered mightily due to that. Absolutely. I so, drafted I'll prime example. I drafted Kenny Galladay in in our dynasty and in a couple other leagues. I absolutely loved him. Finished as the wide receiver number seven in 2019. Um and I didn't draft enough depth at wide receiver and in most of my, my leagues I suffered because I went running back heavy. Um and Joe Mixon's another name that you know what fell off and got hurt. Uh Joe Burrow, I was really high on. He got hurt. I didn't I don't even I, I normally don't draft two QBs in redraft leagues. So I was struggle busting already. Absolutely. Um so obviously um the one takeaway from that is if you're in multiple leagues, it's okay to fall in love with a player. But if you're in five leagues, don't own that player in five leagues. Absolutely. As a rule of thumb, if that one player misses the whole season, now, I'm not talking about your later tail end of the draft guys where you have a hunch that Mike Jacecki is going to snap off this year, so you got him in the last round of last year's draft in every one of your leagues. That didn't hurt you, and it wouldn't hurt you if he would have missed time. I'm talking your first top five rounds. Don't draft the same players in all five of those drafts early because this exactly can happen. So, obviously, Walker, we can't plan for injuries to happen and, and say that I'm going to prevent them. I'm not going to go wrap Saquon Barkley and, and bubble wrap um, <laughs> while he's out on the field um, to prevent him from hurting my fantasy team. So what can I do to mitigate some of these issues? With your with your running backs, prime example, this year you should have handcuffed Saquon Barkley with Wayne Gallman. That would have eased that blow a little bit. Obviously, it's not putting another Barkley on the, on the field, but still that eases the blow a little bit allows you to get in there and try to find a breakout back. Because Barkley went down week, week four, week three four, or four. Three or four. So still early enough in the season to where there were still some backs. Antonio Gibson, prime example, 
He came. He didn't start to ball out till later in the year. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, all of them suffered, and I saw in a lot of leagues that them rookies were getting drafted, which we'll get into that here in a little bit. But that gives you a little more leeway if you go ahead and draft their handcuffs at the end of the draft. Prepare for that, even if that means jumping up a round to grab a defense a little early and then using your last round to cuff that 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 monster of a draft pick you had. Cuff your yeah. backs, wide receivers. You just got to draft or draft depth because you're never going to know. Who's going to fill that void when they go down? Yeah, so I agree. Um, if I had a top five pick and I had uh, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, I am going to try. Now, granted, sometimes it's not that easy, but I'm going to try to Chubb, grab. You probably weren't able to get him unless Correct. you drafted Hunt Correct. in the seventh round. Uh, but but those bigger name guys that have lesser name uh, handcuffs, I'm going to try to snag. But you can't do that for all your players because if you do, your bench is exhausted. Correct. And you're going to be SOL on bye weeks. So – I think you're right. I think you you hedge your big players, your 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 big studs. Obviously, again, you can't do that with quarterback or tight ends because the drop off most time is is massive, and wide receivers it's impossible. But if you're in the first or second round and you grab an Aaron Jones last year, Jamal Williams makes a lot of sense to get later. Saquon Barkley, it made a lot of sense to grab Wayne Gallman. You can't do that with everybody because your bench will be depleted. There is the rule of thumb that after bye weeks start ending you always try to snake handcuffs but a lot of times these injuries happen too early in the season for for bye weeks to have been completed that makes it a lot harder um so again i i I think it is important to draft or grab your 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 studs handcuffs as early as you can but i think it's also more important possibly to just draft draft depth that way you don't have to to scramble and try to be the number one waiver claim if if uh, when saquon went down i'm sure Wayne Gallman was an early priority on waivers that weekend. If you didn't have the number one waiver claim, you're missing out. So it's equally important to make sure you balance your roster. Don't have, if you have 10 bench spots, don't have nine wide receivers and one quarterback because if a running back goes down, you're, you're, you're hurting. Absolutely. Uh, But that's definitely uh, injuries are definitely something that you can, you can plan for every year. Absolutely. Um, One thing I want to, I want to say that I've learned this year was pay attention to coaching changes. Uh, example, Carolina, I had no idea that offense was going to have that many fantasy producers. You had Curtis Samuel come out. CMC would have been a big producer still. Um, DJ Moore had his breakout games um, and also uh, Robbie, Robbie Anderson. Anderson. I didn't realize that coaching staff had that much. You need to go in and go ahead and look at some of these coaching changes that are coming uh, with your offense and defense. Washington, another example, they hired Ron Rivera and they let Antonio Gibson take the reins. They cut the veteran and, and Peterson early and let Gibson kind of take the reins, but they did use the two-back system, which isn't you know isn't too surprising with a Ron Rivera because in, in CMC he had that two-back guy who he could rush and catch passes. Antonio Gibson wasn't catching like J.D. McKissick. But them coaching changes out there, you definitely got to pay attention to them, and there's a lot coming up this year. Uh, you I mean, had Atlanta, you had uh, Jacksonville, you had the Chargers, you had the Eagles, you had um, Detroit. Detroit was another one. Um, there's, we're missing two still here. Anyway, long story short, there's so many that we can't even keep track of them spur off the moment off the top of our head. Uh, the Jets yes. was another one. Um, but by Adam Gase. But thank goodness Adam Gase has sailed off into the to the retirement. He's not retired. He's just taking a year off. He's going to come back better than ever. It, well, either way, <laughs> yes. Coaching changes make a world of difference. As an Atlanta Falcons fan, I can tell you that Arthur Smith coming in as the offensive coordinator in Tennessee who led Derrick Henry to two of his best career years um, makes me excited for the fact that if Atlanta adds a running back to be looking at that. 
Um, so coaching changes def- definitely. Find uh, with the coaching changes, maybe find a, a a link to some players being added through those coaches. Prime example, Robbie Anderson and the coach there in Carolina, he coached him at Temple. So Robbie Anderson Matt already Rule. came in, Matt Rule. Uh, Matt, uh, Robbie Anderson already came in knowing what he wanted to do and everything. So if you find a connection there, there's a possibility. Maybe you're, you're, you find a little diamond in the rough. Absolutely. I mean, Robbie Anderson probably went, what, after the 11th, 12th oh, round easily, in most drafts, yeah, if easily. not even undrafted in some, yeah. in some fantasy leagues. Easy. Um, another thing that I learned this year, and I, and I will speak to this personally, um, desperate trades rarely work. Do not make a move out of panic. Only make a move if it makes sense for your team. This year early, I had um, George Kittle. I got George Kittle in our Dynasty League, was thrilled to, to have him, and uh, he went down early in the season. We all knew he was missing time, and I made a desperation trade and traded for uh, Hayden Hurst and Will Fuller. Now, granted, the Will Fuller end worked out pretty well for me. At the time, Hayden Hurst was a top five tight end. He did not finish that way. And I gave up OBJ and a first-round rookie pick, which this is our first year in Dynasty. Um, we're now at the point where we're realizing Dynasty picks, uh, rookie picks are of the utmost importance. Um, so I would have two first-round picks if I wouldn't have panicked and, and traded that pick away. Um so desperation trades can can really sink a ship. Um, not maybe not so much in, in a dynasty league as as a right here and right now it doesn't sink it. But had I not had a first round pick, I'd be sitting here watching everybody else get these talented rookies, and me sitting on my hands with Hayden Hurst. Um, desperation trades maybe are a little easier to swing when you're in a redraft league because if it doesn't work out. Your season was over anyway if that big-name player was gone. If it does work out, it may save your season. But in Dynasty Leagues especially, make sure you take the time to look a trade over completely before you decide to click the send trade button. Absolutely. Uh, You're speaking on Dynasty. I'm going to say something I learned about Dynasty. As you said, this is our startup year, um, first time doing it. Uh, Dynasty League, when you start it up, don't be afraid to trade back. Don't be afraid to give up your first-round draft pick and maybe acquire some second- and third-round draft picks. And draft and drafting young guys. Let because I mean, if if you would have went out and you drafted uh, Dobbins, Taylor, and and Swift and Gibson, you had all four of those guys. I promise you, you're going to get a lot of trade offers. You can get a lot of a lot of uh, draft picks moving forward. Then you could figure out what the backs really are. Don't be afraid to trade back. Sit back. Let the big name guys go off the board early. Um, I mean, they're still and then and then inside the league, inside the year, know the value of them rookie picks. Make sure you're paying attention to players coming out. I've got three first round draft picks. Now I started out, I lost Burrow, I lost Galladay. I ended up trading for Mixon when he was banged up. I ended up getting the handcuffs there. I had a bad year. I had a lot of injuries uh, cost me a lot. But I went out and I, I moved some players around. I ended up with three draft picks and I, they're very valuable to me as I'm looking at this year's rookie class coming up and know your needs, make sure you're able to fill your voids there. Yeah. So definitely. um, And and what you just said about being okay with in a dynasty drafting young in a dynasty league, it's okay to be patient with those young guys too. If you do exactly what Walker said, and you end up with this year, Dobbins, Swift, Akers and Gibson, don't panic because you lose your first two games of the season. A dynasty is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Yes, you want to win on, uh, the, as much money as you can every year in fantasy. That's why we play, most of us, correct, yeah. is to win money. However, if you draft young in a dynasty, do not blow up your team and trade all these guys away for aging vets just because they start out slow. Jonathan Taylor 
only had over 50% of the snaps four times prior to week 14. And he finished as the running back six. Um, DeAndre Swift, he was inconsistent. He was all over the board in snaps and usage until after week 14. It's okay to sit on these guys and wait and be patient. I traded a couple, I drafted CeeDee Lamb, Chase Claypool, and T. Higgins last year. I have none of them on my team this year. Granted, Chase Claypool was involved in a trade that got me Alvin Kamara. And T. Higgins, I swapped very early in the season for Mike Jacecki, who I loved and had I fell in love with, and I fell victim to falling in love with a player. Um, and uh, CeeDee Lamb was a part of me making a push for a championship this year. Um, but nonetheless, take time and, and be patient. If you do your research, trust your research. If you love a guy and you end up getting him, don't panic and sell. The, talking about the young guys waiting for him in Dynasty, that's not just Dynasty. That's also in redraft. If you look at most of these rookies here, your Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, uh, they didn't take really the reins of their backfield until after their bye week. So that brings me to another point. It's pay attention to the waivers. When they're coming out, a lot of people, a lot of people panic and they drop them young guys and they they give up on them. Look at it. Stay 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 ahead of the eight ball there. Um, know where uh, know where these guys are falling. You saw um, when Dobbins started taking the reins, Ingram was inactive, and when Cam Akers did, there was a lot of injuries that got him there. Don't worry about holding on to these guys on your bench if you got enough depth and you got these guys later in there. Just trust them and and you know what they're worth and make sure that. You know, you, you're you comfortable dropping them because if you're going to lose them, you might lose – I mean, you're going to lose them to somebody that is looking and knowing that Cam Akers has a very high possibility of taking the reins. He came from a he came from a crappy um, college line, so you knew eventually somewhere he was going to get his legs and he was going to take over that backfield in the Rams. Walker, you know what I like to call cleaning up somebody else's mess when they drop a, a good player to waivers early because they're not willing to wait on them? I like to call that cleaning up the seepage. Cleaning up the seepage, yeah. Cleaning up the seepage. Sometimes you got to clean the seepage. Yeah. So you you talked about waivers, and and I want to hit on that a little bit too because um, your fantasy heroes can come from the most unlikely spots. My prime example in a league I was in this year, uh, my team was depleted, and I was playing for next to nothing. So I had no no reason not to 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 be um, ballsy, if you will, with the, the waiver wire. Uh, week nine, the San Francisco 49ers went and played the Green Bay Packers when COVID was ravishing that team. And the only wide receiver they had to suit up that they didn't have already on the practice squad was Richie James. Mm-hmm. And in week nine, Richie James went for nine receptions, 184 yards and a touchdown, which equivalated to somewhere around 30, 35 points Absolutely. in fantasy. Pretty sure he was huge. the number two wide receiver that week. Yes, and he that was. came on a Thursday night. Yes, it was. Um, so long story short, don't be don't be scared to take a long shot stab in the dark especially if your team's depleted you don't have to put a guy out there that you know is going to get two catches just because you know he's going to get two catches and it's not going to be a zero if you're playing if you're the nine if you're the number nine overall team in in the league and you're playing the number one overall league don't just say well i don't want to get beat too bad so i'll throw this up no get creative with your lineup sometimes you've got to look for these hidden gems these 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 guys that nobody else is going to think about touching and sometimes you end up getting pure gold out of a guy like Richie James, who I will probably never, ever touch in the fantasy <laughs> football league as long as I live. But one time you paid off huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, another thing I learned, um, 
Another thing I learned was quarterbacks and tight ends can be extremely detrimental to your success. Absolutely. One position, period. Any of those one positions. The, 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 the defense, the kicker, the, the tight ends, the quarterbacks, where you're only starting one of those guys yeah, as absolutely. long as it's not a super flex league or you don't have Darren Waller and George Kittle. Um, this hits home to us. It does. We're in a, we, we co-own a team in a keeper league, and I still stand by this. I, you don't ever draft a quarterback early where you can get these other big players from, from positions that, that truly matter because if you look at it, Patrick Mahomes' level of play versus a guy you can get in the eighth or ninth round are not scores that are going to win you and lose you games every week. Over the course of the season, Patrick Mahomes might score outscore that guy by 80, 90, 100 points. But weekly, it's not going to be enough to where it makes a huge difference on your lineup. Walker and I are in a keeper league uh, together, both very similar-minded when it comes to fantasy, is that you don't draft the quarterback late, you let a quarterback fall to you. We're sitting in, in my garage doing this draft. All the big quarterbacks are off the board. Um, as a Falcons fan, I didn't want to own him. As a, as a non-Falcons fan, Walker saw his value, which it, Matt Ryan's value in the past has been good. Absolutely. We, we watched Matt Ryan fall and fall and fall and fall to where a point we got to a point where we said, can't let him go any longer. Right. We drafted him, and if you own Matt Ryan in fantasy this year, you know exactly what we're talking about. He was great some weeks and atrocious on others. Absolutely. Absolutely. That brings me to one thing. We only own – I'm a true believer – was – was a true believer in only, only owning one quarterback, period. Only draft one quarterback. I'm not a believer in that anymore. Once again, the Matt Ryan situation, we let him slide, slide, slide. We could have picked up another quarterback, but we instead, most of them were drafted. We were stuck either starting Matt Ryan or scrounging on the waivers for a decent matchup, which sometimes you'll find that. But a lot of times, quarterbacks are, could be a hit or miss on the waivers mm-hmm. there. Um, so I, I, that's one thing I learned is make sure you have somebody else to switch in because say you draft Matt Ryan and he comes out bad or even is having, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down, you need another quarterback to at least fill that void. So, I mean, even if you got to go out and get a Sam Donald really late or get, um, Justin Herbert, I promise you was probably there extremely late, not even knowing if he would start, but would have been another name to maybe stash. We stashed to, uh, we ended up having to drop to in order to fill up for some injuries. But, I mean, that's, that's one thing I, I firmly believe in is make sure you have somebody to rotate in there if, if, if your uh, draft QB or tight end don't work out. Make sure you got somebody else. So with that being said, and again, I did also bring up the tight end defense and kicker. I've always been the type of person when I'm looking at a draft. I draft my, my running backs my starting wide receivers, and then I look to add depth behind them early. Are we now saying that maybe instead of adding a bunch of depth right behind them early, that even in the top 10 rounds, you make sure you have a decent tight end and a quarterback? Absolutely. Defenses and kickers will still wait. Absolutely. I think you stay stay ahead of that eight ball when it comes to drafting also. Either A, you start that run of QBs that come off because you always see that in a draft, and it's normally around your seventh, eighth, ninth round, you see that run. Yes, your Mahomes, your Josh Allen, your Kyler Murray's will go in the first five rounds. That seven, eight, nine range is when you start to see that run of QBs go. Also, I think that's about the time you see the run of tight ends go too. You want to get involved into that run, and you want to make sure you get your guy there. Um, You don't want to sit and wait and wait and wait. And There might be a better value player there, but you're going to miss out on a lot of points missing out on a QB or a tight end there. Okay, so I'll ask. I'll ask this. Just because the value is a little different. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this to you in a weird way. Which is more important 
in a in a in a in a in a league period, fantasy football period. We're going to assume that the top five quarterbacks are off the board. So Patrick Mahomes is gone. Uh, uh, Josh Allen's gone. Deshaun Watson's gone. Uh, Prescott's gone, and Kyler Murray's gone. Okay, and we're going to assume that K- Kittle, Kelsey, and Waller are gone. If you're in, the, say, this is the ninth round, and you're looking at adding either a T.J. Hawkinson, a Noah Fant, or um, a- another tight end of that skill set, or you're looking at adding your next tier of quarterbacks, your your um, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, uh, Lamar Jackson. What are what is more important to address at that spot? To me, the more important is is I'm going to go with the QB and I'm going to try to start that QB run. I'm going to go ahead and grab that QB. I'm going to start that QB run, hopefully, and I'm going to hope everyone falls in line and rushes to get their QB too, so then I can start that next one with the tight end. But I think the QB has more value because you're not getting a top tier tight end. Your Hawkinsons, your Fants, uh, Mark Andrews, those are all about the same amount of points. Um, and, and, and they're really not a huge leap above the rest of the guys. Um, so I actually I actually differ here. And this is kind of – I like that we differ on this a little bit. Um, but I'm thinking your next your, – so your top five quarterbacks are gone. Your guys that, that are kind of game changers, if you will, for fantasy. We're, and your top three tight ends are gone. I think there's a bigger drop-off from, say, tight end four through tight end eight. The rest of the way is gone down. If you go back and look at look at last year's um, tight ends versus versus the quarterback drop off that we'd be talking about there, so for example, let's 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 look how our tight ends finished last year, and I, I'm thinking the drop off b- between what you were getting per points. So your your number four tight end last year. Bear with me, sorry. That can't be right. Operator error here. (laughs) Pretty sure I was alphabetical there, buddy. (laughs) If if your 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 next top tight end, well, actually, Logan Thomas finished the season as the third third overall tight end last year. But your your drop off, you go from um, your number eight was well, Gronkowski was seventy. Your your big drop is is right there between ten and fifteen. Your fifteenth overall tight end. At 157 points, your top 10 tight ends were sitting at 169. You go to quarterback, your top 10 quarterback to your top 15. There's really not a big drop off. It's about 30 points for quarterbacks. So the drop off is more significant in your tight end market than what it is. And if you miss out on those top 10 tight ends, you're going to be playing the waiver wire with tight ends every week. You're not going to have a guy you want to keep, which may work in your favor, but it also may hurt you. If you got a guy you can plug into your tight end spot, and I don't care if he's only getting you 12 points a week, if you know your tight end spot's getting you 12, I can live with a quarterback who's getting me anywhere from, you know, 25 to 15 a week if my tight end spot's secure. So I guess in that way we differ a little bit. Absolutely. I always, I've always been a firm believer, and you'll always find a tight end with a good matchup out there on the waivers. And I did. I've played waivers with tight ends almost the entire time I've done fantasy. I think this was the first year that I went out in our dynasty and grabbed Mike, uh, Mark Andrews early, which I regretted, and we went out and got Kittle early in our keeper. I've always been a firm believer, in, and you, there's, a, there's always a tight end that's a diamond in the rough. Logan Thomas, prime example, top five tight end this year was a diamond in the rough. Mike Gisecki. Mike Gisecki. Uh, Dalton Schultz, I believe, was up there after Jarwin went down too. Uh, Gronk was another one. I, always, I believe there's always that diamond in the rough. Quarterbacks are almost – I mean, I want to say they're kind of consistent. A lot of them are. Yeah, you have your up and down ones with your Tannehills and your Fitzmagics, and 
But, I mean, most of the time you know what you're getting out of your court. Russell Wilson's a prime example of an up-and-down quarterback as much as that pains me. I know it. Hey, you hate to hear it too. But your quarterbacks, you know what you're getting when you, when you, when you roll out. Uh, most of the time you know, what, you know what that quarterback's putting up that week. Yeah, that's fair. I, I definitely want to say one thing before we get into more things that we've learned. We have a combined 20-plus years of fantasy knowledge sitting here on this podcast between the two of us. And we're still taking things away from just this last season moving forward next year. We're still learning. If you're not learning and adapting, you're going to be left for dead. Absolutely. You've got to adapt. You've got to learn things. You've got to take things away. Even in a loss, you've got to be able to see things in a, in a down year in a league. you got to be able to take things away. I didn't do this well. I didn't do that well. Next year, I won't make this same mistake. If you're not doing those things and you continuously make the same mistakes over and over and over again, you might win once out of 10 times. And if that's enough to make you happy, then so be it. But if you don't, if you adapt and overcome, you might win three out of 10 times Absolutely. or four or five. Another thing that I that I learned about that I want to talk about this year is don't fall in love with a player's spot. Fall in love with a player's ability. Yes. Do not fall in love with a player's spot. Prime example, Clyde Edwards Elaire last year got drafted at the tail end of the first round, first, first running back off the board. Most, if you go back and look, most people's rankings prior to the draft, Clyde Edwards Elaire was the third or fourth back. Absolutely. If not fifth. Clyde Edwards Elaire, rookie back, excuse me. Clyde Edwards Elaire goes to Kansas City. Everybody goes, oh my goodness. Clyde Edwards Elaire, Kansas City Chief, best running back there. A lot of people were taking him in the first round in redrafts ahead of Aaron Jones's and Austin Eckler's and all these other names. Clyde Edwards Elaire, guys, was not disappointing, but where you drafted him last year, you did not get return value. Huge disappointment. And if you own him in a dynasty, now you're sitting on him going, man, look at all these guys I passed on because he went number one in dynasties Absolutely. in rookie redrafts. And, and you're, you're now sitting there saying, man, I need this guy to bounce back. So, A, I don't look like a fool. And, B, maybe I can recoup some value out of him if I decide to move him. Mm-hmm. It's a tough situation to be in. And it's a situation a lot of people found, found themselves falling in love with because they, they threw out all the prior research and said, Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City. That's all they cared about. Mm-hmm. And that bitch in the butt. Jonathan Taylor had a great, great rookie year, finished above Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift are all in better spots right now mm-hmm. than Clyde Edwards-Alaire is. Absolutely. Edwards-Alaire is now going to be competing with uh, Damian Williams as he comes back if he decides to opt back in, which I assume he will. So, I mean, now, now CEH, yes, you had a good year, but now you're looking at the old starter and what I believe should have been the Super Bowl MVP two years ago. This 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 isn't just a running back problem either, guys. Um, Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver off the board in, in the draft last year in, in the real NFL draft. The Raiders took him in front of all the other guys. In rookie redrafts, I, I went back and I looked it up. On average, his ADP last year was two spots above C.D. Lamb, three spots above Jerry Judy, Ridiculous. seven spots above T. Higgins, mm-hmm. He was drafted two or three rounds ahead of Chase Claypool, and there was five receivers off the board in between Henry Ruggs and Justin Jefferson. If you drafted Henry Ruggs last year before Justin Jefferson, Chase Claypool, CeeDee Lamb, um, Jerry Judy, maybe not Jerry Judy, um, but ahead of any a lot of these other young wide receivers, you're sitting there going, what did I get myself into? Granted, Henry Ruggs had some great games where he was a, a huge flash in the pan, 
but he also had a lot of games where you're going, I can't start this guy. No. And it, it's another example of falling in love with seeing him come off the board and go to a, going to a team that had no established wide receivers. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, you say trust trust your research of these rookies as you go in. You have to. Justin Jefferson came in, and he was – I mean, he had a great college career. Yes, he was behind another guy there at LSU that's coming out this year, Jamar Chase. But he still was able to jump everybody else and still have, I believe, a 1,000-yard season there in LSU – and, and it wasn't just the quarterback, it was him. CeeDee Lamb came out as, I believe, was touted as the number one wide receiver. Just because he went to Dallas doesn't mean you should not fall in love with him. CeeDee Lamb is skilled. He's a very good ball player. His future's still bright. It, it, extremely bright. Um, and, I mean, he's got a great quarterback there with him, too. So, I mean, you got you got to trust your process. you got to trust your research. you got to trust your draft. Don't go out in panic mode if you lose your first two weeks. Trust that research of your players. Trust your draft. Trust your thought process. So you, you, I couldn't agree more when it when it comes to trusting your research. A lot of us put in a lot of time listening to a lot of podcasts, doing a lot of rookie research, looking up players' fits, who's moving, who's coming, offensive line depth. That we we look at a lot of these things. Uh, the NFL draft. What what running back team made sure to sure up the offensive line. You know, we look at a lot of these things and we sit there and we say, okay, like last year, prime example, I, I, I looked up the Raiders offensive line. I looked up what John Gruden was saying in the off season, fell in love with Josh Jacobs. Granted, I was able to get Josh Jacobs and he was great a couple of times for me this year. He wasn't a couple other times, but had I have not fallen in love with that and, and, and went elsewhere, I could have ended up getting somebody like there as quarterbacks taken in the first round. I could have said, Oh, I got to panic and grab Lamar Jackson, and I would have been disappointed. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so many different things that you can do. Aaron Jones in most drafts went after Josh Jacobs. He, he did, and, and I was one of them that had him as my third running back that I wanted. I had him below Austin Eckler. I took Austin Eckler the same round earlier than Aaron Jones went, so I could have owned Aaron Jones. Um, you could have owned Aaron Jones. Um, but we we oftentimes we fall in love – and and we do our research and we fall in love and then we throw it off the wayside when we watch what other players are doing. We watch other guys start a quarterback run and instead of sticking to our draft plan, we jump on that quarterback run or we st- we see these tight ends start going off the board and we and we we jump in line with that. Don't do those things, guys. That's a huge mistake that a lot of us make. I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you're guilty of it at times. It, it's hard to do, but if you do your research and you trust yourself and you trust the research and the time that you've spent on this. This is like a business, guys. Keep in mind, if you're spending time and hours in this, it's in hopes that you get paid. And the best way to do that is to trust the, all the offseason work you're putting in place. It, and it's e- I understand it's easy for me to hear, sit here and say this uh, the second day of March to trust your research. But when it comes down to it, guys, if you, if you know that you're, you want to target um, – A.J. Dillon this year because you you like, even though they may sign Aaron Jones back or they may sign Jamal Williams back, if you want to target Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon because in a dynasty, if you're in a dynasty startup and you know that he's going to be the running back of the future there, don't don't let that go. Stick to that. Draft it. If you do your research and there's a certain player that you're in love with, make sure you you get that player if you do your research on him well enough. Don't In, in a timely manner. Don't go yes, jumping don't in the first jump, round. Don't jump for him, yes. Um, prime example is these rookie drafts that are getting ready to start happening in a lot of dynasty leagues and other things like that. If you if you do your research and there's a rookie that you say you really like, say 
Um, Pat Fearmuth, you need a tight end. You like Pat Fearmuth out of Penn State, and, and you 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 don't want to leave the rookie draft with him, and you have a top three pick. Obviously, you're not going to waste a top three pick on Pat Fearmuth. But if you have that top three pick, know that, okay, he should go in this round. That's what his ADP is. That's where I'm going to target him. But be be able to pivot off of that. If he gets snaked, but you know you need another tight end, look at who you value next and what round you think they should go in and what pick. Do your research and trust it. Trust them ADPs out there. Them ADPs go out, try to find ones that are paid leagues. Don't go out looking for, you know, uh, ESPN's a rough one because a lot of people get in there, draft the first three rounds, and then they just auto-draft the rest. Go out, try to find yourself some good ADPs to look off of, and, and trust those ADPs. Like, once again, a prime example, we'll just say uh, – we'll say Trevor Lawrence, prime example. He's going at the 101 in rookie drafts. But we'll say he's going to go in the fifth round of redraft leagues. Know that that's – if you want Trevor Lawrence, know that you may have to jump around ahead to get him. But if that's the guy you want, make sure you get him and, and trust that research of how talented he is. Um, I mean, like I said, it's it's hard to get him in a rookie redraft when it's the 101 because that's where Trevor Lawrence should go. <laughs> Almost any rookie redraft is the 101. Yes. Um, there shouldn't be any other discussion. It's it's, it's Trevor Lawrence. He's, he's the best prospect coming out. He should be the number one overall pick. Um, but with that being said, you can't – you can't feel like you've lost the league coming home from a draft. If you go with your eyes, your blinders set on one particular player, if you if Trevor Lawrence is your guy, you want Trevor Lawrence, but somebody takes Trevor Lawrence a pick before you. You can't just go, oh, there goes all my research. That can't be the only thing you've researched. you got to have contingency plans. In Boy, place. I believe that was me two years ago when we let somebody in the league and he drafted really weird, and I'm pretty sure I tossed a few notes out the window. Yes. So, but uh, You can't let others distract <laughs> you. You can't let – you cannot let you can't first of all, you can't just research one player in each position and know that because curveballs happen, things happen. You have to be well versed in research and, and multiple players at positions. Another thing with that is going into your draft, know you know who you're drafting with, know your guys that you're drafting with, know what they want, pay attention to their teams. Say some guy drafts three running backs, boom, 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 first three rounds. You know he's obviously going to be targeting a wide receiver. So if you're looking in the third round or fourth round and you got to pick ahead of him and you're like, oh, I really want CeeDee Lamb. We'll just use CeeDee Lamb as a prime example. I really want CeeDee Lamb. Well, I know he's going to be drafting a wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb's the best one on the board. Go ahead and go ahead and grab that guy before. If you know that he's going to go, know the guys you're going with. Know what their team needs are during that draft. Pay, pay close attention to that. Yeah, Walker and I <clears> – Walker and I have a guy – um, a couple of guys in our league um, that we play with uh, with work buddies that um, don't do any research. They're a complete wild card when you come in, but we've learned to expect that from playing with these guys for multiple years now. You, if you know that guy's a wild card and you know that guy's going to have no clue what he's doing, you have to plan for that to an extent. It's hard to plan when you don't know what somebody's doing, but it's it's that's where you plan for yourself. You look at five quarterbacks and you want one of these five quarterbacks. You plan for five tight ends. You want one of these tight ends. If you leave with one of those five guys, you're happy. Absolutely. We went into a draft this year. I'm going to use this prime example. And, and he's a good buddy of ours. We work with him. Well, we didn't know by the end of the draft he was going to be so drunk that his wife ended up drafting his team for him. So that's a wild card there. We didn't know what was coming out. But we learned and we paid attention. He was mainly taking the best player left on the board. So, I mean, if that's what's going to happen, he ended up making a lot of trades this year. I'm not sure if he made his team much better or worse. I guess that's for the future to tell. 
but you always going to have that wild card or that drunk guy at your draft that's making goofy picks or picking two tight ends in the first 10 rounds. Um, I mean, but you have to adapt to that and pay attention. If this guy's got two tight ends in the in by round number seven, odds are he's not taking another one in that entire draft. Yeah, odds are, but you can never rule it out. That's true. The chances are never zero. Listen, I'm one of those guys that I get together. I I have a draft day set in stone. I know what day I'm drafting. I get giddy for it. That's better than Christmas morning for me. Absolutely. I I get super excited. I'm, I'm doing all kinds of research. I'm doing all kinds of deep diving, deep planning. And there's nothing better than showing up at a draft. But don't be that guy that's so excited for a draft that you show up and you're drunk before the first pick's made. <laughs> don't be the guy that, that shows up and you're so excited and you spill food all over your notes that you can't read them. You got you got to have fun. It's This is what the, the number one thing of fantasy is to have fun. Bag on your buddies. Three, win money. But you have to still be coherent at your drafts to have a chance to do any of those. <clears throat> because if you're if you're drunk and you draft terribly – you're not going to be able to make fun of your buddies because they're going to be kicking your butt every week. And you're not going to win drunk, money. But. Yeah, and, 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 and they're all going to like your wife more than you at, at the draft. <laughs> but nonetheless, guys, it is for fun, but but be serious about it to, to an extent. Uh, one of the last things I want to hit on, and it's kind of more of an open subject because this is going to differ for every single player and in it differ in every single league you're in. When is it time to start moving assets, whether it be in a dynasty and you have – you know, rookie picks or it being a dynasty and you have a bunch of big name players, but you're not playing well or in a redraft league. Um, I'm, and, and when I say in a redraft league, I'm not talking about when you're in a redraft league with three of your buddies and one of your buddies is in first place, you're in dead last. So you give them Christian McCaffrey for, you know, Paris Campbell. I'm not talking about making moves like that, moving assets like that. Absolutely. Not. Walker and I can speak on this very, very uh, candidly here because Walker and I were in two different places in our dynasty league this year. Walker was, not in the top half of teams. I missed the playoffs. I'll admit it. <laughs> I was I was the number one seed for most of of the the season, um, and and I was there based on um, great play from my running backs and wide receivers. I had no quarterback. I, those of you who listen to this podcast faithfully, you know the that I was riding the quarterback carousel for a long while there, um, and I made a, a big move to get a quarterback in Russell Wilson, who I thought would be great. He was kind of hit or miss after I got him. Um, Still have him in Dynasty, so I'm okay with it. Um, but Walker was in a different spot, so his assets that he were moving, that he was moving, excuse me, was players for picks. Where I, as I was in a spot where I needed players and not so much the picks. So it's important that if you're in a league that you, again, it would have been easy for Walker to just fold his hand and say, "I, I drafted a good team." They're injured this year. I'll just do nothing and wait till next year. Walker didn't do that. He traded some of his guys that were blowing up that he didn't love as much as others and got picks for it. And now he's going to be better off moving forward in the future because he's got all these draft assets where, one, this time of the year when there's no football going on in a dynasty, everybody wants your draft picks. Absolutely. Everybody wants I'm your draft picks. I'm receiving a text or a call every day for one. Every day. And 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 he, he's in a position to, to either strengthen his team through the draft or with trades where, where somebody else is desperate because they don't have picks left. Um, so it, it's, it's imperative that you, that you, that you know, when is the right time to sell and when is not the right time to sell. Um, I, I, I handed it earlier. I traded Chase Claypool, um, in, in a, in an effort to go ahead and get Alvin Kamara. Now that the Chase Claypool deal itself was I sent Chase Claypool a second, a third and a fourth round draft pick this year in the rookie league and a first round next year for Kenyon Drake. I was then able to turn Kenyon Drake 
and Jamison Crowder into Alvin Kamara and LaVisca Chenault. Bear in mind when this trade was made, Alvin Kamara had just received back injections. He had not signed his long-term contract. Nobody knew what was going on. I was talking about possibly holding out. Possibly holding out. He had out. missed three days of practice. It was, um, it was a cloudy situation. I went into the draft trying to trade out of the first round to begin with where I got forced to take Kamara. I wasn't going to th- throw you out there. No, so I, I, I wanted to trade out. This is a prime example of things I learned. I wanted to trade out of the first round. I didn't want Kamara. I wanted to start young. And I folded to the draft. I had to take Kamara. And then I folded to the rest of the draft rather than trying to do my own research and trusting what I wanted to do. I fell with the other stuff going on there, which then in return, I think it turned out okay for me. I got a decent team. Um, once you're done hitting on this, I'm going to hit on what I did in order to move from the bottom to try to get myself into the contention. Yeah, so obviously I, I traded all those picks early. It, it netted me Alvin Kamara in the long run. It obviously wasn't the initial plan. I had no running back depth when I left the draft. Prime example of falling in love with the player. I love Kenyon Drake going into this year. Right, and I was able to exploit Walker's mental weakness um, to get Alvin Kamara. Um, I'm joking completely. Um, but Alvin Not Kamara was a lot of the reason that I had – the ability to make a championship run because how well he played this year. So it did allow me to, to not necessarily be so upset with the picks that I had lost. I was able to also move some other players, um, four picks back, um, guys that were never going to crack my lineup. Uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell, I traded for a first round pick, a rookie pick, and Cortland Sutton. Um, so I think I came out just fine. Um, but <laughs> you got you got to know, you got, you get, and in, in, in hindsight, just to make it fair, that was when Le'Veon Bell had just been released. Nobody knew if he was going to the Dolphins or where he went. If this person would have known he was going to the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe he wouldn't have made that trade. Maybe he would have, but that's not for me to decide. Um, you've got to know when to move assets. I think you want to hit on that a little bit, so I'll let you take the floor. Absolutely. Here. I finished second to last in our dynasty. Now I had Kenny Galladay miss time, and uh, I, I – I, I fell in love with Joe Burrow. I wanted Joe Burrow. I wasn't leaving that draft without Joe Burrow. Before the season even started, I shipped my first-round draft pick and some other assets. I don't remember everything. Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, actually, for Joe Burrow. And there was other picks involved. We did some pick swapping here and there. I ended up with two firsts for next year, and I had zero firsts for this year. Well, then I lost Kenny Galladay for the season, and then I played the tight end carousel. I didn't have anybody because Mark Andrews was so up and down. Um I ended up moving down the down the ranking, so I ended up moving uh, both Chubb and Hunt for a uh, first-round draft pick. And Joe and, Mixon. And Joe Mixon and, and Giovanni. I ended up getting his cuff, too. And then I ended up moving some other pieces. I Now I'm sitting with J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and three first-round draft picks to rebuild my dynasty teams. Oh, and Joe Burrow still sitting there. I'm young. I got a very young team. I'm, I'm looking forward to the future if you're down there at the bottom, don't fold your hands. Right now is the time. You gotta you gotta exploit the guys that are going for the title and go for those draft picks. Yeah, they may be at the end of the draft, but guess what? Two or three draft picks. You slide them in together, you're moving up in the draft. I've got three first and two seconds right now, and I believe I have a third back there too. And I'm loving it. I'm doing my research. I'm looking at my guys, and I know what I know what my needs and and my wants are already. Obviously, that's going to change with this offseason and the, and the NFL draft. But if you're in championship contention, you made the right move of going towards Russell Wilson. Yes, it was a big, bold move. You, you needed that quarterback to solidify. And I'm going to uh, take a stab at you here. Uh, had you not got cute in the championship, I believe you'd be hosting the Dynasty Trophy. You wanted to tell me that you won a title without. Yeah, I, I so I again, if you listen to this podcast, you, may, you heard me make jokes about Tua being better than than Russell Wilson. Um, obviously, if you remember right, we had Christmas Day games this year, 
Uh, I had Alvin Kamara with a six touchdown snap off. I got cute and benched Russell Wilson in favor of Tua. Uh, Tua got me uh, like 11 points or something like that. If I would have started Russell Wilson, I'd have won by six. <laughs> Instead, I lost the championship by five. Um, things happen. I got cute. It is what it is. Don't get cute. That's another thing to learn. <laughs> another thing to learn. Don't get cute just to make fun of your buddy. Um, I can still make fun of him because I finished finished eight spots in front of him. But absolutely, whether we whether that stays the same in the future, we'll have to wait and see. Um, trust, trust, and another thing where you say say the same. I already, in my mind, don't know if I'm even going to compete because I don't know how these rookies are going to come out this first year. I don't know everything else. Obviously, injuries happen. I could get hit with the injury bug. I'm not looking to compete for a championship in our dynasty this year, but I'm next year and two years. I'm looking to be up there in the top three guys and competing for that title. So, we'll I mean, see if always I have anything to say about that. Always remember to look forward to the future and know what you're trying to build. You got to know what you're trying to build before you build it. So, one last thing I want to hit on before we move on from this from this when to move your assets is it safe to say that if you're a top three team or a bottom three team? You're the most aggressive in trades. Absolutely. Because if you're the top three, you're looking for something to put you ahead. If you're a bottom th three team, you're looking for something to build on next year. And you got those guys right there in the middle that are sitting there in the middle. Those are the ones you want to attack. If the guy looks like his team's on the upswing, that young, that young bad team down there at the bottom, you want to move up. Be like, hey, I'll give you this running back. It's going to really bolster you this year. Give me something in return. Get yourself a draft pick to move forward and, in and the if, future. If you're, if you're a top guy – and you're looking at somebody and going, well, your team's a bubble team. I'm not sure you're good enough. You might make playoffs, but you ain't winning anything. I'll give you this pick for next year to help build your team. Give me this player to make me uh, give me a championship run. It works both ways. There's a lot, of, a lot of ways that you can better yourself. Don't again, and I, I said it earlier. We're talking about it again. It makes sense. Don't make a trade if it doesn't make sense for you. If somebody comes calling calling to you and they say, hey, listen, I need a quarterback, and you've got. You've got a quarter. You've got two quarterbacks. One's not very good. One's great. And this person says, "I'll give you that. I'll give you a first round rookie pick next year for that quarterback." If that's going to leave you without a good quarterback next year, don't do it because you're not you're not helping yourself. No, absolutely not. You have you were able to make that move to get Russell for this year, knowing that you have the youth of Tua and Drew Locke back there. We're not sure how Drew Locke's going to pan out there in Denver, but you still have the youth. To move forward with it was a very it was a very good move for yourself. Well, I got DeAndre Hopkins too out of that deal, which didn't hurt anything. Yes, I didn't really absolutely. give much up. Yeah. Um, but um, again, all these things, if you combine them and do them the right way, you're going to be more successful than you are not. Um, these are the things that we've learned in the 2020 season. Obviously, this is going to be the last episode of season one. That doesn't mean we're going to have a break from recording. We will be back with you guys next week. Absolutely. Which next week we intend to start talking about your rookie incoming rookies a little bit, trying to help you guys with some research, whether you're in a dynasty league and you have a rookie draft or you want to know some names or you're in a, re in a redraft league and you're just looking at guys that, that you could add and there could be some value there. We're going to get started into that in the offseason here. Um, I, I want to speak – I think I speak for both of us, but definitely for myself. I've definitely enjoyed doing this podcast. Absolutely. We appreciate you guys listening tuning in to us each and every week. Um, again, we will do a giveaway prior to the kickoff of next season. Um, so stay tuned. I know we've talked about that a lot, um, but it is going to happen, guys. I assure you we're going to get something going. 
So be patient with us on that. Yeah. Well, before we sign off here, I want to go over some things we're going to do in season two. You hit on a few. We're going to talk about, you know, we're going to break down these rookies. We're going to break down the divisions. We're going to break down. We're going to do mock drafts. We're going to do regular. We're going to do rookie mock drafts. We're going to do dynasty mock drafts. We're going to do redrafts. We're going to talk about some people's ADPs. If you're in a keeper league, you definitely want to pay attention to that. And we're also going to talk about uh, we're going to do our own player rankings and projections by position for for maybe our top 20, top 25 guys. Um, but next week, oh, we also, one thing we're going to hit on, well, we already hit on something to learn. We're going to hit on some of your top tier handcuffs that are coming in. In case you don't know and you haven't figured out exactly which one might be there as the backup, we're definitely, we're going to help, hopefully be here to help you break that down. Next week, we're going to go over breaking down the rookie quarterbacks. And I'm hoping throughout time, so we're going to break down probably top five, top 10 QBs. We're going to try to get through most of them, running back, stuff like that. I'm hoping throughout time during the week, maybe we'll cut a short episode in with a low value player that might break out um, rookie player for your picks or, or even maybe a veteran that might break out, um, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, I don't, I don't know, uh, Robbie Anderson, maybe we'll, maybe we'll be able to hit on something like that out of the wild blue yonder. Hopefully we'll be able to cut, even if it's just an individual episode, I think we're going to try to cut some of that into there too. Yeah. You'll definitely also hear Walker and I, at some point this year, we got to come up with a segment or a name for this segment, but we're going to come out next year with some guys that we must own next year, Walker and I, and we'll give you some reasons on why those guys are the particular players that we value as much as we do. And they're not going to be, it's not going to be Walker going in and saying, I got the number one pick in a redraft. My guy is Christian McCaffrey. It's going to be a little deeper than that. It's going to be guys we we, we don't want to leave drafts with and why, um, but there, there's going to be a lot of big impactful um, uh, episodes coming up in this off season. Uh, we're going to try to hit on everything. Obviously, when the NFL draft comes through, we'll break down where guys landed, what their fit's going to be like there, what we expect out of them there. There's going to be a lot a lot of information coming at you guys from us. Again, as always, if there's something that you would like to hear about or you want to hear us talk about or you have questions, please drop them at our Facebook page. It's the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast page. It's on jump Facebook. On there. Yeah, jump on there. Throw us a comment. Throw us a post. We'll, we'll respond to it. We'll, we'll address it in the podcast. Um, But as always, guys, stay fat and stay hungry, my friends.